Our reading for, our reading for today uh, is Exodus chapter 33, verses 7 through 11. Listen now to the word of the Lord. Now Moses used to take the tent and pitch it outside the camp, far off from the camp, and he called it the tent of meeting. And everyone who sought the Lord would go out to the tent of meeting, which was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would rise up, and each would stand at his tent door and watch Moses until he had gone into the tent. When Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would descend and stand at the entrance of the tent, and the Lord would speak with Moses. And when all the people saw the pillar of cloud standing at the entrance of the tent, all the people would rise up and worship, each at his tent, tent door. Thus the Lord used to speak to Moses face to face as a man speaks to his friend. When Moses turned again into the camp, his assistant Joshua, the son of Nun, a young man, would not depart from the tent. The word of the Lord. Good morning. series of sermons uh, based on the, not working, it's on, no, uh, is it, can you hear me in the back, is it not working, should I go to, hello, no, is it working now, I can't tell, it's not working, okay, should I switch to this, okay. All right, let's try that again. Welcome. <laughs> um, so we, uh, we are in the midst of a series of sermons on the New City Catechism, but today I'm taking a week off from that series to share with you a few thoughts concerning the church, as I do once a year at this time in conjunction with the annual congregational meeting, which we're going to hold later today. Uh, much of what I'm going to share with you, I already shared with our leaders at the retreat last weekend, but I think it's something that is good for all of us to, to hear and, and thoughts that um, I think would be good for all of us to, uh, to know together. So, um, you know, I want to tell you that every year when I prepare this message, uh, I'm so thankful for it because it gives me a chance to reflect on the whole year. It gives me a chance to think about uh, where we've come and and where we're headed, and, and I'm just always just filled with incredible uh, thankfulness uh, for what we have here together. And so I want to just share some of the thoughts with you today uh, in preparation for the meeting we're going to have later today. So uh, would you please pray with me? Lord, thank you again for this day, and as we think about today together, uh, where we've come from, um, as we think about this year ahead. Um, we are thankful, God. Uh, we know that to gather together uh, in your name is, is not a given. And um, for everyone here, Lord, um, we're, just, we're just thankful. And so help us now to, to hear your word once again, um, to be filled with your spirit together, that in our life together, you might be glorified and that others may see 
and come to experience your goodness. We thank you and pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've probably forgotten, but last year, should I take this off? Okay. For those of you new to our church, we usually, uh, so uh, you've probably forgotten, but So that we could get a chapel in Mombasa, Kenya, uh, which, by the way, now is almost completed. Can I get those picked up real quick? I can skip to the next one. So this is, you remember, back in August? <coughs> Excuse me. Back in August, when they first started to lay the, the groundwork, you can see the, the earliest pictures. And we just got these pictures. Next slide. Um, so this was from the beginning. You can see the building going up. Next Next. So this is now just a few days old. You can see it's almost completed now. Um, next one. And next one. Is that it? OK. So um, thank you. Your, uh, your generosity made that possible. And it's going to be on the, on the campus of Simba High School, uh, where the, the minority Christian union students will have a chance, a place to gather to worship. And so we're so thankful. Uh, that we were able to be a part of that. Well, last year, your generosity hit really new highs uh, in giving. We had highest giving uh, as a congregation uh, in the history of our church, uh, more than $580,000 uh, you gave in offerings and tithes. We uh, exceeded our, what we thought was going to be our budget by, I think, over $100,000 in anticipated uh, giving. So it was incredible. Uh, in addition... Uh, our investment committee, uh, the way they invested, uh, returned over $60,000 uh, from our investments as well. So uh, it's an incredible uh, generosity in the, in the way that, at least from the financial uh, standpoint. And I want to tell you that that increased giving, uh, not just last year, but over the last several years, has really allowed us uh, flexibility and thinking um, in, in terms of the way we're going to do some things in the coming years uh, in three significant ways. One is we decided to increase the percentage of giving that we give to our mission funds uh, by 1%. For the last several years, we've set aside 14% of our annual uh, offerings uh, to the work of missions. And this year, we are going to increase that by 1% so that we're going to now begin to set aside 15% of our uh, annual uh, giving. Um, I think you know, that's part of our, our commitment to uh, all of our mission partners uh, in Kenya, uh, the DR, North Korea, Kyrgyzstan, and the various organizations that we have periodic engagements with. Secondly, it's opened up the possibility, a greater possibility and range of possibility in terms of acquiring a church building. Uh, as you know, we are very grateful to be in this particular space, um, but we continue to look for a more permanent building of our own. Last year, we considered three different church buildings that were up for sale, and unfortunately, none of them met some of the basic criteria that we were looking for, um, but we're going to continue to look, and this year, we're going to look as well, and because of our financial position now, it allows us to expand the, the range of possibilities for us, so, um, so I thank you for that. 
And thirdly, um, you continue to have children. Uh, we have eight infants registered with the Sprouts Ministry, another 18 with the Tots, 65 with our children's ministry, and another 23 in the youth ministry. So we have 114 people officially registered under the age of 18. And now of that number, about 75 to 80 are here on a typical Sunday. I mean, that's a big number. That is a really big number. Um, and so the session, we're having ongoing conversations about possibly adding to our pastoral staff in light of that number. Um, and we're exploring ways to provide uh, further support and the care and nurture of the youngest members of this congregation. So all these three uh, changes or these three uh, possibilities that we're exploring are possible because of the generosity uh, of your giving. And so I want to really just thank you for opening up these possibilities for us. Uh, So that's kind of the the fruit from last year. Uh, This year, I have two thoughts that I want to stick in, and hopefully it sticks with you because it has been stuck with me. The first word I want to leave you with today is punctuated equilibrium. Punctuated equilibrium. Now, that's a a weird word to leave you with, I know. Um, It's a surprise to me because it's not something that I was thinking about. It's not something that I was even reading about. Um, But having some conversations uh, about ministry, the word just kind of popped up into my head and it's just kind of, it's just stuck there. I couldn't really shake it. And so I took that as God and the spirit of God trying to tell me something to, to think about this. And so, so I have been. Now, for those of you who don't know, punctuated equilibrium is a term popularized by the late Harvard evolutionary biologist Stephen Jay Gould. Um, he argued in contrast to prevailing theories of evolution, what's known as phylactic gradualism, that is a species goes through a process of very slow, very gradual changes. He argued that in fact species are in stasis for long periods of time marked by punctuations where speciation occurs, right? So uh, instead of the, sort of this gradual change over time over a particular species, he argued it's a stable uh, and then these massive, these, little, these punctuations where species would diverge. Now, that's more than you care to know, and that's at the very edge of what I know. Um, and I'm not going to, whether that's true or not, I, I don't really care. But that phrase just, just, just really stuck with me, this idea of this punctuated equilibrium. And as I thought through this, I want to apply this to what, how we're doing ministry, as punctuated ministry. Um, and I think you, you understand this, because most of us, I think, would describe our lives in this sort of manner, right? You are in stasis most of the time. Most of your days are pretty routine. You go to school, you go to work, you come home, right? I mean, it's pretty routine, day to day. But then, every now and then, there are moments, these punctuations, that are remarkable, memorable. Uh, highs and lows, and lows, I should say. Um, and, you know, at the leaders retreat, as we were sharing with one another about our lives, um, we were talking, one of the questions we asked one another uh, during the dinner conversation was, what is the most emotionally memorable meal you've ever had? Right? Because, I mean, we, we eat thousands of meals in our lifetime, but what, what's an emotionally unforgettable meal that you've 
ever had. And it was really interesting because it, the, the area where I was sitting, people share the most emotionally painful eating experience rather than the, you know, the, the really joyful, like the food was so great kind of experience. Um, and so uh, let, let me tell you mine. Um, the story that came to my mind immediately uh, was when I was a first year student in seminary. And I'd come home from doing a, a rough day with, with youth ministry. I mean, our kids are great. Those kids weren't so great. And so I had just a really long day. Was, I was tired. Uh, I came home. I stopped by the Wawa's near the seminary to pick up my go-to Sunday dinner, two hot dogs, a large pickle, and an A&W can of root beer. <laughs> and so I got that in my little bag, and it was the first big snow of the year. And so I'm going to my dorm room. Uh, for those of you on the Hodge, fourth floor. And I'm, I get to the base of the stairs, and several of my friends were just having like a snowball fight. They're like, you know, because it's a big snow, they're like throwing, and they're like running around inside the dorm, just, you know, pelting each other with snowballs. And so I, I walk in, and two of my friends, they see me, and one of them has like the, a cafeteria tray full of snow, and he sees me, and he just like just throws it at me, right? <laughs> so I get pelted, and I'm just, you know, I'm so like sad and tired, and <laughs> right? And then my friend, you know, pelts me with this, and I'm like, right? Now, to his credit, you know, he saw that, oh, I shouldn't have done that. Like he, and he started to apologize, and as he started to walk away, another guy comes, and he's got, like, snowballs, and he just started pelting me, and, like, he wasn't as sensitive. Like, he didn't realize, oh, I sh- probably shouldn't. So I'm just standing there, you know, with snow. I'm wet. I'm tired. I'm hungry. I'm discouraged. And so I walk up the stairs uh, to, to my room, to my dorm room, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost in tears. I sit down on the floor, and I open my can of root beer, and, of course, it explodes in my face. <laughs> and I just sat there. I'm really, I was almost on the verge of tears. Like, oh, my, what, you know? But at the same time, almost, you know, a few minutes after, as I'm, like, biting into my soggy hot dogs, I thought, you know, this, this, this is kind of funny. You know, I, I was at least able to say, this is kind of funny. And uh, so that's, that, was my, um, that was my moment. Now, I didn't have that experience every week. Thank God, right? But, but it was something memorable. Hopefully you remember happier moments. Uh, but life is like that, right? Long periods of routines, whether school or work, punctuated by these kinds of moments. You know, maybe you go to school and, and you take a class with a professor or a class that you weren't expecting anything much, but somehow it turns out to be like your favorite class and, and it turns of what you end up studying, right? Maybe you have a conversation with someone that you didn't expect and it just really encourages you Right? When, when you're in a, uh, down. Uh, maybe it's that first job or that first paycheck you get. Right? There are these moments that, that we remember, the, these punctuated moments in our lives. And it's the same in the spiritual life, too. Right? A lot of the spiritual life is a kind of uh, regular routine, regular disciplines. We read the scriptures, we pray, we come and gather and worship. Right? You, you won't remember most of what I'm saying today. You, you don't remember what I said last week or the week before. But it's part of our regular disciplines. But then, once in a while, in our walk, you'll have these punctuated moments. Maybe it's a, a retreat, or you go on a mission trip, or maybe even you hear a sermon that really kind of lingers and, and just kind of stays with you. These punctuated moments. Now, as you know, we are a commuter church. Many of you drive at least a half hour just to be here for Sunday services. Uh, this week, I plugged in all of your addresses, all the ones I knew, into a program uh, 
I forgot what it was called. But it's like a map, and you punch in addresses, and it, t- and it puts a little pin, right? And so I got a visual of where everybody in our church lives. And it was really interesting. We have people coming from up north uh, in Walwick. I didn't know some of these towns. Westwood, Glenrock, at the far northern end of New Jersey. We have people down south at the southern end from Voorhees and Marlton. I mean, really, really south. Between those two locations, it's over 100 miles. We have members who are separated by over 100 miles. That's huge. We have folks coming out from west, from Clinton and Flemington, and east from Marlboro and Colts Neck. Not to mention that we have people coming from Staten Island and New York City and Pennsylvania. I mean, we have three states as well. Right? It's a huge, huge separation, huge, huge market. And because of that, and because so few of us actually live in New Brunswick where we gather together for worship, uh, it's been difficult over the years to do a sustained and permanent local outreach or ministry. But what occurred to me, and what I want to just kind of uh, highlight for you today, is that instead of seeing that as a negative or as a disadvantage, I'd like for us to reframe it and see it as an opportunity to do punctuated ministry, to do punctuated ministry, rather than this kind of sort of unrealistic, sustained, everyday or even weekly engagement with the local community, we can find ways to bless the community and engage with them in punctuated ministry opportunities, right? This is not unlike what Jesus's ministry looked like. He had a kind of um, opportunistic spontaneity in the way he did ministry. It wasn't that he was trying to uh, work with someone like Zacchaeus, for example, right? But he saw him, and in that moment, uh, he, he did some ministry. Um, Jesus clearly, clearly had a goal about getting to Jerusalem, um, but along the way, he did ministry as needs arose. He didn't try to do, you know, feed the 5,000 campaign every year, like, or every month or whatever, right? He kept his eyes open, was sensitive to the needs around him, and ministered as need arose in these punctuated moments, or at least that's the way the narrative can, uh, can be read. In our reading today, you notice that Moses pitched the tent of meeting outside the center of their life together. Right? This is very interesting. They had a, a community life together, but he pitched the tent of meeting outside of the center of community. Now, the tabernacle and then later the temple are, is going to be built in the center of their life together under very strict guidelines of materials and dimensions and all of that. But this tent, right, which he labeled the tent of meeting, so that's why I'm just going to call this punctuated ministry because he, he got to label it, so I'm going to label it. This tent of meeting was just a tent, as far as we know, that he had to set up, and that's where people met with God during this period of 40 years of wandering in the wilderness, before the tabernacle and long before the temple got set up. And it was outside of where they met as a community. And I love that. I love that picture. Um, Because this tent of meeting is not permanent. It was not their permanent space. It served its purpose for its time. Moses had to set up this tent and tear it down every time they moved through 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. And I thought, you know, that, that's us. We worship here, right? 
we, we set up, we clean up each week in the middle of New Jersey, but much of our ministry can take place outside of here. It doesn't have to be here. And so instead of being kind of discouraged that we can't do more here, let's celebrate and build up the things that we can do outside of here. Um, At least that's the picture that I have. Um, To do these punctuated ministries throughout the year. Uh, For example, let me just highlight some of what this looked like last year. We partnered with Rise Against Hunger last year at an event, and we packaged 12,000 meals. It was just once. It was a moment. We collected several hundred cans of, of food, uh, in partnership with Arm in Arm, the uh, Trenton Ministry. We collected and sent out 47 hygiene kits, 31 school kits, and a cleanup bucket for Hurricane Harvey relief. The men's ministry gathered for uh, periodic events, uh, some fun events like uh, game night, watching Star Trek, um, as well as doing a service of um, landscaping for a low-income uh, resident. The women's ministry also gather for fun events like dream planning, calligraphy, coloring, movie night, book club, they did more, um, as well as preparing college care packages and knitting scarves. Again, right? They, they did, it's not all the time, but these, these moments. We started a meal-sharing program last year, and 46 meals were delivered to four different families. Again, not every day, not every meal, but just these punctuated moments in times of need. A group of you participated in the Martin Luther King Jr. Day of Service just this month. We sent out three short-term mission teams to the DR, West Virginia, and Houston. And even though this year we couldn't send a team to Kenya, um, we sent the money for the chapel, as you saw, and we're sponsoring over 100 kids with lunches and tuitions so that they can attend school. We also sent a small check for $84, you know, a very small sum to the DR, but that $84 might, was to pay for a potentially life-altering surgery uh, for one of the kids that we met down there. Um, th- th- this is just some of the punctuated ministries uh, you did last year. Right? And these are limited commitments. These are just, just moments in time. It's not every week. It's not something that we do you know, every week for the whole year. But they're important, and I want to encourage you to continue to think about ways that we can do this and to grow some of these ministries. Right? Because a lot of our life together is going to have these kinds of moments. Last year, for example, in our annual retreat, we had, a, we had over 100 people attend our annual retreat last year. That's, that's the biggest number we've had. We don't do it every month as much as that might, as fun as that might be, but it's that time. And so, you know, make it a part of your life that you can be a part of these punctuated moments. Every month we have a praise, prayer, and testimony night. I mean, over the last several months, we've, we've had a pretty steady stream of people sharing their testimony as part of the, the right hand of fellowship. People share their testimony every once a month on Friday night. It's, it's great to hear these stories. It's, it's just once a month. It's not a huge commitment, but it's a way for you to come, to be a part of that, to share your testimony, uh, if you, you know, as well as to hear them and to, and to be a part of that. Uh, we had a, a basketball tournament, tournament last year. First time, right? We're having the rematch today. 
this afternoon. They don't play every week. The knees of the adults can't handle that, right? <laughs> but it's a moment where we can, we can come together and gather and fellowship and mutually encourage one another. Now, again, I'm not suggesting that we abandon all sustained ministry, nor that we abandon work uh, in New Brunswick or anything like that. We are in the middle of Rutgers University, and we want to continue to support, especially Pastor Danny and his work with ICA, with the students on campus. Uh, We want to stay open to the possibilities of other ministries that are going on in this area uh, with occasional partnerships like with Elijah's Promise and some of the homeless work. But it may be that we have to kind of reframe or re-strategize in terms of like, how can we do uh, these punctuated ministries if we can't do these long-term sustained ministries? So I'm calling every single one of you today uh, that you think about this and that this year, if you're not already, to think about how you can get involved in some of these kinds of punctuated ministries. There's so many opportunities for these limited kinds of engagements. Uh, Over the next uh, several months, all of our leadership is going to, we're going to get a list of everybody and find out who's not doing anything. If you're a member, if you're not a member, it's okay. But if you are a member and you're not doing anything, we're going to personally invite and ask you to to be a part of something, to some some level of ministry involvement. Um, For those of you, you know, uh, you can look in the bulletin, for example. Uh, There's a section about some immediate service needs that we have. That's an opportunity for you to do. Uh, The scripture reading, for example, that's another one where you could get involved. We have 16 people who rotate reading scripture. So they read scripture once every four months. I mean, that's a pretty low commitment, right? If we get more people, you know, we can just read it once a year if everyone does it. Or communion servers. We have 14 communion servers. Again, they rotate. And that ends up to be about once a month. So again, if we had more people doing that, Again, we could, we could stretch, stretch that out. So there, there are many different ways, if, again, if you just want to kind of get uh, slowly uh, engaged. Um, and I want to just highlight three things that are going to happen in February, three opportunities, uh, these punctuated ministries that, that are going to happen that I want to alert you to. Uh, first, is, uh, first is that we are going to have a new round of studies for our theology Q&A on Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock. Um, for those of you who've been to it, you, you know it's just an incredible time of Bible study led by uh, some really, really brilliant people. Um, and so it's an opportunity to do some intense uh, Bible study and, and to learn together. Um, we're going to start up the, a new thematic study on, on the scriptures uh, beginning with the first Sunday of Lent on February 18th. So again, it's just, it's a, just a period of a, a, I don't know how many weeks it'll be, but it'll be just for a time. So you can just, just do that for that. Uh, also, secondly, along with that, during the season of Lent, as we did last year, for those six Sundays of Lent, we are going to have church-wide small groups, or FGs, after service. So again, I'm, I'm asking you to stay at church an extra hour during the season of Lent, where we'll have the whole church, we'll provide lunch, uh, we'll provide childcare, and we'll have an opportunity for everyone to be a part of a small group. Right now, we have approximately 80 people who are officially a part of one of our small groups, our our FGs. Uh, That's a pretty good number, uh, considering how many people are here on a typical Sunday. Um, But, you know, the goal always is to have 100% participation. The goal is to to have everyone engaged and and involved with one of these uh, FGs. Now, I know that some of you, it's hard because you live in a place. uh, When I saw on the map, some of you were like, 
you were it. There was like blank space all around you. So I know sometimes it's hard to gather. Um, but again, maybe you can't do it every week. But here's an opportunity, at least for six weeks, just for six weeks, stay an extra hour, and you can be a part of a small group during the season of Lent. Come early, go to Bible study, stay a little extra, right? So if you can't do one or, I mean, I want you to do both, but you have opportunities at at the beginning uh, and at the back end of our service. And the third thing is that the Zoe project, the Zoe team, uh, is going to be spending February in, in an ideation lab for four days at Princeton uh, Seminary to uh, finalize the business plan for the project that they're going to launch. So details will follow, but it's going to involve, it's going to necessitate more of you helping to launch this new project that is really targeting the younger folks, the millennials, to find ways to, to walk alongside them, to nurture their faith, and to engage them uh, in, in the spiritual life. So you'll hear more about that, and you may be asked or have already been asked to uh, help along with that. So that's the first word, punctuated equilibrium or punctuated ministry, to look for these opportunities to get involved uh, at that level. The second word I want to give you to you, with apologies, is BLT. BLT. I'll explain that in a minute. Our reading tells us here that God spoke to Moses face to face. God initiates and God reveals himself. Now, face to face... It's a metaphor for the presence of God and of intimacy. It's not literal. God did not speak to Moses face to face because no no one can see the face of God and live. We know this, right? So it's not that God spoke literally face to face with Moses. But it's, it's it's a way of describing the kind of intimacy, the, the depth of communication that Moses experienced in the presence of God, in God's face. Now, I'm assuming that most of you, I'm assuming you know this, that your first priority is always to seek God's face first. To love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Right? That, that, is, that is the baseline. That that is the first commandment, and it goes without saying. Rooted in that truth and in that commitment, uh, in thinking about our time together, um, what, what was very clear is that the most valuable thing, the thing that people prize the most, is their time. Is their time. People, I know, as a general rule, it's much easier to write a check for a project than it is to actually spend an afternoon doing that project. Right? Because it's, the time is such a precious commodity for most of you. And so um, I understand that. Now, I don't want to uh, minimize the need for the, the ongoing uh, financial contributions, but just as God spoke to Moses face to face, I am calling you this year to engage more in face to face conversations. Just as God spoke, it says, just as a man speaks to his friend, again, not literally. But just as you would speak to your best friend, right, that is open-hearted, with vulnerability, with intimacy, that's what I'm calling for. And in fact, you know, I'm going to ask for, to read this, this is bad exegesis, but I'm going to ask you to commit to more face-to-face conversations. Um, and that's my commitment as well. The session and I, uh, we're committing ourselves 
to have more scheduled and more intentional face-to-face -face conversations this year, rather than sort of uh, sporadic and as needed. It will be punctuated. Again, not every day, but more of it. And I'm asking everyone to make the effort to have more physically present, face-to-face -face conversations. Rather than sending a quick email or a text as the first sort of way of responding to one another, to consider making the effort to drive and to carve out a larger piece of your time to meet with someone face-to-face. You know, every year, whenever we do our leaders meeting, um, the best part of that time, at least for me, is as we just go around and, and share with one another what's been going on in our lives and the things that have been happening in the ministry. And, and it's clear that for some of us, you know, we just haven't spent a lot of face time together, even though we were in a lot of communication with, with emails and so on, that we just were unaware of certain things that are going on in people's lives and, and how valuable it is to hear that, Right? It's very different to just kind of hear that and then to be able to pray for one another. And so um, that's what I want to uh, ask you to do. Because that's, I think, especially the way our culture is headed right now, that, that's going to be so incredibly important. In the scriptures, uh, people like the Apostle Paul and the Apostle John, they wrote, the, they wrote letters, which we have as the, the New Testament books, but they wrote them because they couldn't be with their people face to face. Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, for example, um, since we were torn away from you for a short time, we endeavor the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. But because I couldn't see you face to face, I'm writing you this letter. To the Philippians, my beloved brethren, whom I long to see, my joy and crown, right? Whom I long to see, but I can't because I'm in prison, so I'm writing this letter. To the Romans, I long to see you that I may impart to you some spiritual gift that you may be established. That was the first thought. John 2, 2 John 12, though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. I hope to come to see you and talk face-to-face -face so that our joy may be complete. And in 3 John 14, I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face-to-face, face-to-face. They wrote letters because they could not see one another. Um, you know, most of you know that my wife and I spent uh, nearly two years in a long-distance relationship before uh, we got married. And I can tell you that during those two years, you know, I really wanted to see my um, girlfriend, later fiancé, wife, face-to-face. -face. I mean, I really did. Um, but we couldn't because, you know, I was here and she was down in Georgia. And so we wrote letters to each other, mostly me, handwritten letters, in the mailbox kind of letters. And we would call each other at night uh, after 11 p.m. when the rates went down on a landline at $6 an hour for, for a phone call. That's the way it used to be. Um, and through that, we got to know each other. But I can tell you that, you know, our first year of marriage, it was really, really a struggle for us because we didn't know each other at a certain level. There are things you cannot know only through letters and even phone calls. You can't. You can't. There are things that you cannot know simply through those modes of communication. And 
you know, my desire was to have the face-to-face. So those were like, I did it because there was no other option. Not because like, oh, I gotta see her again. You know, I'd rather write her a letter so I don't have to, to see her face. That's not the attitude. You know? And Hebrews 10 again reminds us, let's consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting the gathering, right, of meeting up as some are in the habit of doing. But let's do this even more as you see the day approaching. And, you know, this is, this is our fundamental mission statement to encourage one another, right, to walk alongside one another. And, and maybe we kind of think about that a little bit more literally, to literally walk alongside or to sit alongside and to be with one another. Martin Buber said, all real life is encounter. All real life is encounter. And as I said, given the, the, the way it is now with, with social media and everything else, uh, I think it's never been more important to have real encounters, to have real life. So, because, you know, communication and relationship, it's not about how can we be the most efficient. Yeah, it's more efficient maybe to, to send a text or something. But building relationships and having communication, um, it's not about being more efficient. And in fact, I, I want to push for less efficient meetings. Sorry, Norm. Less efficient meetings and, and just times just to, to be able to linger because that time is so precious. Because there's no other way to really know one another and to know God. And, and I, I mean knowing in the deepest possible sense. Um, Again, when my wife and I were in seminary, our first year, well, not our first year, but uh, at one point, we were both taking Hebrew, and one of the first words we, we learned and got a kick out of was the word yada, which means to know. We had, we had a professor who would say, yada, and so it became kind of a joke with us, you know, yada. Yada means to know, and it's the word that is used to talk about sexual relations in the Bible, right? So uh, Adam yada Eve, meaning he, Adam knew Eve, right? So again, it's not, I know, I know we're being immature, but it's not that the Bible is trying to be kind of a, you know, prudish about this. It's that to know in the deepest possible sense, that's what the word was getting at, to yada or to know someone, wasn't just knowing like facts about them. It was to know that person in the deepest, most intimate possible way. So when God says, know me, God isn't saying, you know, learn facts about me. God is saying, know me. You have a relationship with me. Know me in the deepest experiential possible sense. In fact, many European languages uh, make this distinction in the kinds of knowing. Um, In German, for example, to know a person, you would use the verb katniss, right? But when you want to talk about knowing a subject, like, you know, biology or something, you would use uh, the verb wissen, two different words. Spanish is the same, right? When you know someone, it's conocer, right? But if you're going to know something, it's uh, saber. Am I right? Thank you. Right? <laughs> uh, French. I'm not even going to try to pronounce it because I'll butcher it. But it's the same. There are two different words. One talks about knowing a person, and the other one is about knowing a thing or a subject. It's a different kind of knowing. So that's the kind of knowing. That's the, the knowing the person knowing is what I'm getting at, right? Um, for example, you know, take, take the, uh, 
take the Olympic sport of curling, for example. There's, there's a, you can know about curling, right? You can read books on it. You can watch the, uh, the Olympics. You can watch YouTube instructions on how to do it and all of that. You could talk to people who are curlers and get their uh, experience and information that way. That's a form of knowledge, an important one, maybe even a very interesting one. But then there is another kind of knowing where you're actually on the ice, you know, and you take the broom and you're sweeping and you're sliding that granite stone across the ice, to, right? That's a very different kind of knowing. And so I want to I push us to that second kind of knowing. Not just like book knowledge about ministry or about God or anything like that, but to engage in a deeper level of knowing. And I believe, I really believe, that that kind of experiential knowledge about God, about yourself, about one another, about ministry, it cannot happen without physical face-to-face time. I'm convinced of that. There is a kind of spiritual growth that can only happen as we connect with one another face-to-face in times of ministry. So again, I apologize because I don't have a good word for this. Um, But we're going to call this the BLT. Uh, One of the elders suggested it. I think you can guess which elder. Um, And it sort of stuck because the rest of us couldn't come up with something better. So BLT stands for Bob and Larry Time. Uh, as you know, I, I was a big fan of VeggieTales when my kids were younger. And for those of you who don't know what that is, uh, it's Bob the Tomato and Larry the Cucumber. And you know, most of you, I think, know what I'm talking about. It's a, it's a cartoon. And uh, Bob and Larry, they're best friends. They hang out. They talk, right? So that's where it is. So, as I said, I apologize. <laughs> But I don't have something better. So face-to-face time this year, we're going to call BLTs. So I want you to have some BLTs, Bob and Larry time. And maybe you can even order a BLT in those. Again, I apologize. Um, so, but my personal commitment uh, to the uh, members of our session and to our staff is that I, I'm really going to uh, be much more intentional about having BLTs. Uh, you know, I've... I've Met with them, of course, but I want to be much more intentional, much more scheduled uh, in, in our meetings. And our session members and our staff and others in leadership, they're going to do the same. They're going to meet with, uh, with a handful of people that they're working with uh, in a much more intentional sort of way uh, with these BLTs. And I, I want to encourage all of you, uh, in fact, uh, to make a comp- Again, not, not every week, not every month even. Maybe you can only do it once or twice, even in a year. But to, to, to make that decision, to have these, this punctuated moment where you can have that conversation face-to-face. Um, and I want to encourage you to maybe take a picture when you have the BLTs. So next year at this time, we'll show a slideshow of all the BLTs we've had, maybe all the BLTs we've eaten. Um, all right, let me just uh, end with this. So punctuated ministry or punctuated ministry and the BLT for this year. And this is my prayer for, for you this year. Uh, I realized that this was my prayer for you um, as I was writing thank you letters after Christmas. You know, writing thank you, like many thank you letters, uh, for which I'm thankful for, um, is, 
you know, you're kind of writing something similar with each letter, right? You, there's only so many ways you can say thank you. But it's like revising a paragraph over and over and over again. And by the time I got toward the end of my writing, I realized that a certain phrase, a certain sentence kind of kept coming up, and I was finally able to, like, yeah, this is it. And I was able to uh, end the letters uh, with this particular sentence. And, and it was, as I was doing it, I realized what it was that I really wanted for people. And that is, I want everyone to experience this year at least one moment of grace or at least one moment of wonder that is unforgettable. That's, right, not, not even moments. I'm not going to be greedy. And maybe grace and wonder will be wrapped up into one singular moment. But that's my prayer, that every one of you, through punctuated ministry, through BLT, that you would have at least one moment of wonder and grace unforgettable. So that's my challenge to us uh, for this year. Let's pray together. Lord, um, again, we're just uh, thankful uh, for an opportunity to review the year and to think about what's ahead. Thankful for this community and that you have brought this unique set of people because each of the people here reveals to us some aspect of you that we would otherwise not know. And so God, help us to keep our eyes open as we engage with one another in these punctuated ministry opportunities and as we rededicate ourselves to more face-to-face times of conversation and of meetings. So Lord, we thank you for what's ahead. We look forward to all that you have in store and help us, God, to experience a moment of wonder and grace unforgettable. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.